This is the Doctor Who Podcast, and you are most welcome. This is the Doctor Who Podcast, caught in controversy or controversy since 2010. Yes, uh, this is the episode where uh, Stephen meets Leeson. This is the first time we've spoken. This is, I think, I think the episode is even going to be called "When Stephen Met Leeson." Uh, considering the film that that, uh, that that's taken from, uh, I'm we, we better not go into too much detail. No, 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 step away. <laughs> but but we do t- plan on being a little bit controversial in this episode. Um, I I, I thought that. Uh, being uh, the new uh, Yank voice on the podcast, uh, that uh, we could talk a little bit about um, about Doctor Who and and whether or not it is it, you know, strictly a British show now. Whether it is it is you know whether you guys fully wholly own this show anymore in this in, in the world. Straight in there with the I can hear the emails. I, I can see them coming in now uh, as we're talking. <laughs> um, yeah, interesting. So, uh, I presumably you have a standpoint on this, a transatlantic standpoint. So, um, state your case. Well, I, you know, I I think um, there's a couple. There's quite a few things actually. Uh, I, I think that the inherent. I've talked about this before, but I think that the inherent quirky Britishness of the show is essential to the show, and and what makes it so. Uh, one of the things that makes it so appealing across the globe. But, uh, you know, it is the one show now that I think that I think really does. Um, span the globe as a as a global show it is it is uh owned by as much by the fans in the rest of the world as it is by the fans uh over in the uk and i think that's a great thing about the show and i've i've it's, it's always kind of mystified me that that's that it's it's never broken uh america before in, in any kind of uh, big way i mean it's always had a cult following uh thanks to pbs um, and it's, I mean, it, as, as we know, I mean, the reason we have so many um, uh, um, surviving episodes uh, of the ones that were lost was because it had a huge world. It was sold worldwide. But um, so are, are you suggesting that the show is actually beginning to, to pander and change its style in order to appeal to the American market? Uh, no, I don't think it is. Um, I, I, and, and I think that it's. You know, there are aspects that have that have changed on it, and we talked about this in the trend setting episode. Aspects of the show that have changed that make it more uh, of a modern show um, with modern storytelling. But I don't think it's pandering. I mean, it's still only well, sort of thirteen episodes a year, sort of spread out. You know, still very small and compact, <laughs> and I think that it's still very very british but um um but uh it is for some reason easily di- by digestible by americans now and um and uh, and i do think that um we sort of with bbc america being and bbc worldwide being so involved in the production and promotion of the show i, I feel like we actually own a part of the show now oh that's well that's great i mean because uh, i think the best thing about doctor who is it, is it, it it's what well, it speaks to me uh, and always has spoken to me ever since I was a kiddlywink. Um, uh, you know, really, really deep down, it, it resonates with, with me, and it's shaped the person that, that that I've become. A lot of the, a lot of my morals. I've said this before on the show. Uh, a lot of the my moral outlook on life comes from, um, you know, the moral outlook of of the show that that I love. Um, and what's interesting is that America has embraced the show as it is and as it stands and as it is um, as the BBC has, has made it. 
uh, and there hasn't, except for a, a long ago aborted attempt. Uh, no, no attempt to to remake it for American audience, which is which is often what happens when um, oh, when you know big TV companies in America think, oh, I, I think an American audience will like that. We will remake it and repackage it and tweak it ever so slightly for an American audience. And and it's it's gratifying to know that um, that that has not happened with Doctor. I can only think of one other. Uh, and I, I don't live in America. I'm, I'm not an American. Many that will be a surprise to many people. Uh, but I can only think of one other show, British show, that was so quintessentially British that that has um, that was never remade but was loved by the Americans. And that was uh, Monty Python's Flying Circus. Have I got that right? Well, you, you do, you do. I don't think that was ever remade. I mean, I think that there's there's lots of um, lots of our shows that are uh, very, very um, influenced by Monty Python. Um, things like the state and things like, and, uh, uh, but, uh, yeah, uh, you know, and thank whatever deity you believe in that, uh, Dr. Who has never been remade in the States because if anyone remembers what happened with coupling when it came over here, um, whew, um, though, I mean, the American office, uh, was a brilliant show. Um, uh, I mean, it, it stood on its own. Uh, but I think that part of that was because, uh, Gervais and Merchant were very involved in it and they got the right people to, to take it from them. But I can't imagine, uh, Dr. Who, it, 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 it would have to become a wholly different show. I mean, it just couldn't well, we we, we can so. talk a little bit about the. Um, I mean, and, and this. I mean, this is common knowledge, uh, certainly amongst um, you know, diehard fans, that prior to the uh, '96 telly movie, uh, there were plans. Um, Spielberg and Amblin Entertainment were, were had plans and quite detailed plans uh, to to revamp the show and, and, and bring it back in America uh, as a serial show, and they were going to make remake. Uh, retell a lot of the stories. I think uh, they'd done reworkings of Earthshock, and uh, and they'd started to rework the the Daleks and the Cybermen. Uh, the, the Cybermen were going to be some weird sort of Cybes, I think they were going to be called, and they were they were um, they were going to be like pirates. Uh, they sort of uh, went around the galaxy, and that they they would steal sort of body parts. Um, the Dalek redesign we know about because we see that quite a lot, uh, certainly on the '96 uh, telly movie extras, the Spider Daleks. That was that was that was an initial redesign for, for the TV show, and also that's where the half human uh, Doctor came from. Was, he was initially going to be, the the story was going to be that he was uh, half human and he was travelling off around time and space trying to find his father, which that's that's. <laughs> <laughs> it was sort of a typical, typically American thing. That you sort of you give him a quest to go on, but that but that kind of shoots the whole format of the show in the foot because because the reason the show's gone on for fifty years is because it, it's sort of, he's just aimlessly wandering. Yeah, it would have been too much of a uh, an answer to the question of of which is in the title of who is the doctor. You know, um, we don't need to know that. We don't we don't need to know any of those things. Um, and I, I think that was definitely. Um, that, yeah, it was very, very Americanized. It, it, it ha- and 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 even the the '96 uh, movie um, had some aspects of it. You know, with the doctor, you know, riding on his motorcycle. But I I, I do think that, um, it, well, I, I love the '96 movie. I love Paul McGann. But uh, the, I think the issues with it were it was an American production company um, and um, trying to make this thing, and you had uh, it really being spearheaded by someone who. Honestly, is a is a was a 
serious Doctor Who fan, um, and the two of them just butting heads the whole time. And it's so good that it ne- that the series never got off the ground because that's what would have happened, and and um, and we wouldn't be where we are today with with the brilliant show that we're watching. Yeah, I think what we ended up with there was, it was there was too many people with a with a vested interest uh, and and a say in what went on. Uh, and you know the BBC were saying one thing, and uh, we want this to be a part of it, and the various. Um, uh, other stakeholders were saying uh, we, we definitely we want this we want this and what we ended up with was kind of it was just trying to to placate all of these separate uh, people who had their their vested interest in in what was going on yeah exactly exactly but you know um so so uh, so I'm glad that it's not that it hasn't been if I haven't been per- perfectly clear I'm so glad it hasn't been remade in America. <laughs> I believe there was like Michael Jackson attached at some point, things like that as well. There's really scary things afoot there. Well, they do say anyone can play the Doctor, don't they? Although he 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 wouldn't be able to now, sadly. Right. <laughs> and he was an alien. Um, but. You know, I I think that I think when where this where this issue becomes really controversial is um, the the recent the recent controversy at, uh, obviously with Comic Con and and the 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 trailer being shown and and it really started to become a um, uh, British fans versus American fans thing. Why did the Americans get to see this trailer first before we did? And um, and and that's kind of what really spurned me to want to talk about this because um, it's not a British fans versus American fans. It's a six thousand people in San Diego got to hmm. see it, and that's it. You know, I mean, the whole it's, it wasn't the huge the whole population of America got to see this trailer before anybody else. It was a very small, you know, less than one percent of of people uh, in the country actually got to see uh, that trailer. So, uh, and it wasn't just Americans. There were people from all over the world in that room in uh, in that hall H on that Sunday. So. Um, it's been uh, a little bit frustrating hearing uh, things like that. Like, why do the Americans get to see it? I mean, granted, I did get to see it, but, <laughs> but still, <laughs> <laughs> it has it has kind of perplexed me that that whole argument. Yes, I'm frustrated that I haven't got to see it yet, uh, but but I know I'll get to see it at some point in the future. That there have been moments um, over the past few years where, where I've had the privilege to be at some of these uh, advanced screenings, and I've seen stuff. Uh, before anyone else, so I, I saw the um, Series 7 trail uh, at the official Dot 2 convention in Cardiff. Uh, uh, admittedly, I think that was out uh, a few days or, or a week later for everyone else. Um, but I didn't hear anyone complaining then. So I, I think there is something specific that people have taken umbrage to, that, it's, that it was in America. Uh, and uh, that uh, in Britain... It's, it's funny, you know, when, when you're into into music, you're into bands, uh, and you have these little bands that, that no one else has heard of. You spend your whole life telling everyone, you'll love this band, they're brilliant, and you, and you make compilation tapes and CDs, or you, nowadays, you, uh, you you email it to them on a zip file, um, and you say, listen to these guys, they're brilliant. And then one day you wake up, and they're on the front cover of your favourite music magazine, and everybody's heard of them, and suddenly... It's not your little thing anymore, and and it's it's kind of annoying. You wanted the world to know about them. Now the world knows about them, and and you want it back. You want it to be your little private thing. Uh, and I, I don't think you can have you can't you can't have you can't have it both ways. I'm I'm proud and pleased that uh, that finally the rest of the world has cottoned on uh, to the fact that Doctor Who is is fabulous. And as long as it doesn't 
um, in any way affect the, the way the show is made. And, and I certainly don't think it has done so far. But no, I'm proud. Proud to be a Doctor Who fan. So specifically, from, from an American's perspective, you're, you're a genuine American, aren't you? Uh, well, I, yeah, I've, I'm born and raised in America. I grew up in New Jersey. Does that still count? Yeah, it counts. It counts. <laughs> so, um, we hear a lot, and, and we're talking about it now, that, that, that Doctor Who has broke America. And we heard all that uh, when they were filming um, the uh, Time, Ev- Time Avengers, when, when they were filming the Angels Take Manhattan uh, in, um, in New York, that they were swamped by people. And, and we're led to believe um, that, you know, the Doctor Who is, is massive over there. But do people really talk about it in the office? Do, uh, is it still niche? Do, if you went up to someone and, uh, and showed them a picture of the TARDIS, would they know what it was? Your average Joe on the street. Um, wow, your average Joe on the street? No, I don't think so. Um, I, and people in the office sort of know about it, uh, but I think most of them know about it because of me. Um, <laughs> I'm the one that they always they always come to. Hey, they're going to announce a new Doctor soon, right? You know. But I also work in a very sort of geeky place, so people have a little bit of that going on. Um, so, so people are talking about the fact that they're announcing a new Doctor? A little bit. I mean, they talk about it to me, and I don't know if it's them just talking about it to me because they know that uh, I'm obsessed um, or, <laughs> uh, you know, it is something that, uh, that is uh, in the news or at least in the, the, the nerd news, as you can, uh, as you'd say. So, um, but I, the average person on the street, no. Um, I would say no. Um, I think I probably have a little bit different experience um, being in a, a city like San Francisco, which is... Um, quite european um and uh, uh i have had i have been wearing a bow tie and a and a tweed jacket not in a costume um surprisingly mm-hmm. um and people come up to me like you're dressed like doctor who um and uh uh recently um a uh a girl at a at a bar that uh, uh i met was wearing a doctor who button on her jacket um, mm-hmm. a girl wearing a doctor who button Amazing. Um, so uh, you're, starting to get, you're starting to go quite croaky there. Yeah. You're, you're, you're breaking up. Was this a little special moment? Uh, no, I'm just saying. Uh, you know, uh, <laughs> it's a special moment when, when you actually meet a girl who likes Doctor Who. That's kind of that's kind of amazing. Um, uh, but yeah, so so it's it's becoming more and more popular. It is becoming bigger. And and just the you know just the response alone at Comic Con and and seeing uh, the fan meetup. Uh, they did a Tumblr fan meetup, which is I don't know. It was it was uh, like 600 people were there, um, which is small. Uh, amount of people uh, considering the the attendees at Comic Con, um, but um, but still, uh, it, it was it was pretty amazing. It was like it, you know, and when when Matt and Jenna and Moffat showed up, even for Mark Gatiss and David Bradley, the crowd were freaking out. I mean, it was like a it was like a rock show, you know. Because I suppose if you're an American and you're just discovering the new series, uh, and it is completely new to you, and and then you go. Right, let's find out. Let's let's wiki this and find out how many series there've been, and you find out that there's fifty years worth of history. That must be a bit mind blowing. I mean, it must be a bit intimidating for some people to to discover that there's so much to to catch. If you're the kind of fan that wants to catch up, yeah, <laughs> to discover there's fifty years to catch up on. I, I've certainly had a lot of people come up to me and to ask me where to start um, because mm. they they're like. I looked on Netflix and there's so many, there's all these old stuff and all these old doctors and where do I start? And, um, and usually I just tell them either start with Rose or the 11th hour. Um, and then if they, if they like it, uh, then they should go back and watch the old stuff. But, um, 
and I think if you can get through Rose, then you probably can get through, uh, you know, an unearthly child. But, um, uh, but yeah, it, it is quite intimidating, and, and people are just like, there's so many doctors, and it, it's very easy to just explain to them, well, you don't have to go back and watch it all, and, um, you know, it, it helps, and it's, it's wonderful, but... Uh, I, I don't expect a lot of people to be able to uh, appreciate classic Doctor Who like we do. And you, you really don't have to no. to, to go back. And, and this is the thing about the show. You, you can jump on at any point. You can jump on at any Doctor midway through a season. It doesn't have to be a regeneration episode. And and it, and it can get you. And you can and you can flip back and forth. Because, I mean, neither, neither you nor I were, were around in 1963 to watch uh, Unearthly Child when it was broadcast. But but we're still fans of the show and, and we understand the whole history and, and somehow it made, made sense to us. And I, I've observed children, uh, one of whom is my own, uh, and he's, he's only a year and a half and he's already a, a bit of a fan. He had no choice, uh, that is a fact. Uh, but uh, initially he was being, uh, well, I wouldn't say forced, but um, he, he couldn't get away. Uh, and now he's, uh, he's a fan. He will go and get DVDs off the shelf uh, and he will sing the theme tune and he, he goes bonkers whenever he sees a TARDIS or a Dalek. Um, and he is able to recognise um, all, all the separate doctors. He, he, know, he knows a doctor. If I hold one up on a, on a DVD cover, he'll know it. If he spots one on a T-shirt, he'll, he'll know it's the doctor. But they're all different. They're all different incarnations of the doctor. And this is a one and a half year old, and he knows each one's the doctor, and he can he can say that that's the doctor. Um, uh, it, it seems to make perfect sense to children. You can go back, uh, and uh, I, I know of an older child who's. He's about five or six now, but when I met him, he was he was four, uh, and he got into the new series, but he had no problem getting uh, into the classic series, and the and it, sort of organising in his mind uh, who was the fifth Doctor, who was the fourth Doctor, who was the first, who was the third, and he didn't have to see them in any kind of order, and uh, and it makes it makes perfect sense. It's it's strange how how the show you've got sequential Doctors, you've got you've got a semblance of a sequential story going on. Um, but you can sort of dip in at any point uh, and and go back and, and nothing's spoiled. No, well that was that's my history with the show because watching it on PBS and um, not I, I never watched it in order, um, but I remember always seeing a different man playing the Doctor. Um, never and you know it sometimes you'd see the same one or you see the same you see the same episode um, or story. But I you know I always you know when I would see that it was a different person playing the Doctor. I always knew it was the same person. It just never really affected me that it was a diff- that it was a different actor. Um, yeah, obviously, the, the 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 way the stories are being told were different, and maybe his uh, uh, his personality was different. Um, but uh, but it's very easy to see uh, that it, it is basic it, at its core. It is um, you know uh, a uh, a guy with a with a box that travels in time and space, and and he's usually got a cute girl with him. You know, sometimes several, sometimes a couple guys as well. But you know, most of the time, it's a cute girl. <laughs> you know? Yeah, and, and and that's it. You you've hammered it down to you've boiled it down to its its uh, essential component. There, it's just man in box travels through time and space. And and that's and I think that that's why it's you know, that's one of you know back to the topic is to the original topic that we were talking about was just that that's what makes it universal. Anyone can relate to that. You know, um, I, personally, I love I love the Britishness of it. I love. Um, uh, I, I've always been an Anglophile, um, which I'm sure there'll be some hate mail about that as well. Um, but um, <laughs> you know, so I love the quintessential Britishness of it, and and, and that it, um, that they 
pretty much always land um, uh, in England somewhere or Wales um, uh, or Wales masquerading as England. <laughs> um, and uh, but, um, you know, so so that's sort of one of the reasons, just one of the reasons that I love it. But um, but that that story alone and uh, makes it, you know, easy to to sort of uh, relate for anyone. Um, but I, I I think the American TV system would not ever be able to uh, uh, appreciate this that the simplicity of that story um, and uh, and allow it to be that simple you know so so what uh, so what else what other aspects of the show would you see as, as being sort of consensually English it's not always easy to see uh, from an, being an English person um, you know, what it is that makes us English the fact that the show does period very well which is not something we do very well over here in America because we don't understand um, we don't understand anything Victorian because um, we have the Wild West. Um, but amazingly, I don't think Doctor Who does the Wild West very well. So, so you know, um, uh, so I, I think there's that. Um, uh, I, there's just that. Um, I think the quirkiness of the Doctor himself. Um, uh, he always sort of portrays, and maybe it's just because he's always been portrayed by. Portrayed by um, uh, a uh, British um, actor. Who, am I getting that right? Because if he's Scottish, he's still British. No. Anyway, uh, yeah, I'm still British. Yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah still Because um, always been portrayed by a British actor. There's something uh, about the look and the, the costume and uh, and uh, the physicality of it and those those things that um, we just don't have actors like that over here. I can't imagine any American actor ever playing that part. Um, and not just because of uh, because I feel it's such a British show. I just can't. I, I, well, I just can't imagine um, any actor. We're all too pretty and and too um, uh, uh, sculpted and and nothing real. And uh, here over here, it's all so plastic and strange. Uh, <laughs> it, it's not strange in any sort of natural good way. Um, uh, and then there's the, just the little things, you know, the doctor wearing a cricket uniform or, um, <laughs> you know, uh, wearing hats uh, and uh, and um, yeah, yeah, things like that. How about the um, is this the the sort of pacifist nonviolence nature of the doctor and the show itself? Because that differs quite. I mean, I'm, I'm making sweeping generalizations here that 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 differs quite heavily from from sort of mainstream American Absolutely. television. Absolutely. I mean, he would. It, it, that was that. That was. Well, I guess what I was trying to get at when I was talking about uh, the the '96 telly movie was, you know, with the Doctor riding on a uh, uh, riding on a motorcycle and things like that, and this very action adventure guy, which, you, you know, which is Pertwee. You know, is the fourth is the the third Doctor. I almost said fourth Doctor. Geez, I'm gonna really get some mail about that. But it, which was the third Doctor? You know, I mean, he's doing doing his Venusian kung fu. Um, but um, Venusian aikido. God. <laughs> All over the place today. Not enough coffee. This is my problem. Your email account is going to be loaded. I'm I'm looking forward to it. Um, but uh, <laughs> but anyway. Um, so yeah. So uh, but he would be more. I mean, it would be all about the fighting and all about the you know um, uh, the the rough and tumble and uh, and that's that would be terrible. That's not. We it wouldn't be about oh let's just have some have some tea and a biscuit and really talk this out. And I love that. I love it. <laughs> I saw a show. I, I fell asleep on the sofa early on the, uh, in the day and I, uh, I woke up and I, I'd been watching classic uh, Star Trek. Um, I make no apologies. Uh, every now and again, I dip into Star Trek. Um, that's my email account going crazy. Um, 
Um, and I woke up and there was this bizarre show on it. I think it was called, was it uh, Walker, Texas Ranger or something? Oh, yeah. With Chuck Norris. <laughs> <laughs> I have never seen something so ludicrous in all my life. But it was so, it was quintessentially uh, American. It was, there was lots of fisticuffs and he was the, he was, he was, he was essentially a cowboy. Uh, in sort yeah. of modern day cowboy, and it was a bit like Diagnosis Murder, sort of all, uh, and um, yeah, the Lone Ranger all rolled into, and yeah, also Magnum PI rolled into one. It, it was bizarre. There was there were lots of fisticuffs, lots of long fight sequences, which uh, you know I, I watched it to the end. <laughs> I found it. That is, that, let's say Walker Texas Ranger is the American Doctor Who. There you go. <laughs> he wears a hat. <laughs> he does wear a hat. <laughs> Stetsons are cool. <laughs> Uh, I thought Chuck Norris was like a million years old, but he looks quite young. Has he has he been um, has he been autonned? No, that show's been off the air for like fifteen years, Lisa. Has <laughs> it? Oh well, I, I thought America just looked like the mid nineties. <laughs> <laughs> You've caught up now, right? I thought you, you still all had phones with aerials, mobile phones with aerials. Yes. Well, uh, so Chuck Norris is a million years is a million years old, but uh, yeah, <laughs> he's like the face of Bo now. Well, uh, I think that's a, a, enough controversy from us. Um, so uh, let's send it over to uh, Ian and Michelle. Uh, they've got a review of uh, Phantoms of the Deep from Big Finish. Big Finish with Ian and Michelle from across the Atlantic Ocean. Ian from the UK and Michelle from the United States. Reviewing Big Finish. Sorting out the wheat from the chaff and nonsense. Saving you money. It's another adventure for the Fourth Doctor and Romana, and this time we go deep, perhaps deeper than the Doctor and Romana have ever gone before, down to the Mariana Trench, the deepest part of the ocean. Oddly enough, there's a deep-sea vessel exploring the Mariana Trench, and what should they find perched on the edge but a battered blue police box? It's Phantoms of the Deep. Well, if it is an hallucination, it's a damn odd one. It can't be. I mean, if we were suffering from inert gas narcosis, we'd imagine something more sensible than this. But it's made of wood. At this depth, it should have been crushed. Crushed? I landed a TARDIS in the heart of a star once, barely dented the paintwork. Okay. Now I'm definitely hallucinating. No, I'm afraid I can see him too. I thought this was an interesting setup. It's a classic one of the sort of uh, base under siege in a submarine type thing. We saw it very recently uh, with Cold War in the TV series. Uh, it was, which was, and it was all altogether nicely executed. The atmosphere was quite creepy. It was claustrophobic. All the things you would expect from this sort of story. A few oddities about it. Um, we actually get to see K9 for once here, whereas he's been absent from a lot of this series, which I think is a bit of a shame since they don't have the limitations of the studio prop anymore. But having brought him to the fore in this story, they've done something strange to his voice. Anyone who's seen John Leeson at a convention will know he can do the voice entirely naturally at the drop of a hat, and he frequently does. Um, but for some reason they've put a modulation effect over his voice for K9 in this, and it actually makes him really hard to hear, and I was actually really struggling to make out K9's lines. I do remember thinking that K9 didn't quite, quite sound like I usually think of him, but I didn't have any trouble understanding him, and I didn't sense that there was any particular modulation, but I could have missed something. 
My sensors detect that the squid are communicating using a system of symbolic logic. It is within the capabilities of this unit to interpret their purpose. A system of what? Symbolic logic. An advanced form of higher mathematics. Well, for me, the key to this story was location, location, location. I just loved the setting. This deep sea setting isn't something we've seen that often in uh, Doctor Who, although it is funny that this came out the same time as a submarine episode on, on the main show. But wow, the, the, the sound design for this was incredible. You really felt that you were under the ocean. Depth, 5,000 meters and counting. Pressure now, 500 atmospheres. 5,000 tons per square meter? Yeah, thanks for that, Chris. I wouldn't worry. The hull can cope with anything up to 1,100 atmospheres. Still, wouldn't want to be out there without a swimsuit. You'd need more than a swimsuit, or you'd be crushed to a pulp. On approach to Mariana Trench, 200 meters. It was a great adventure, and uh, I also liked that this was one of those episodes where you learned a little bit. I love it when Doctor Who is educational, as as in its original remit, and you learn about this part of the ocean. You learn about things like bioluminescence and uh, symbolic logic. You learn about lion's mane jellyfish and vampire squids, and it all comes together. Uh, I For me, this one was, was really enjoyable. Uh, yeah, K-9 was sounded maybe a little strange and he was used a little strangely in ways I wouldn't have expected but overall this is another one that I was very happy to be along for the adventure. Yes it, it, it trundled along at a good rate um, I thought that the uh, and the unfortunate part about the deep sea setting was that uh, a lot of the conversations ended up having a, happening over radios and again the, the, the vocal effects they were putting on people to make it sound like they were in a diving helmet or talking over a radio from another submarine I struggled to hear some of the lines sometimes. And there was also a stage where everyone got a bit carried away going over at each other at the end of every sentence. Over. I found that got a little bit intrusive. Over. (laughs) That did bother me too. I'm in a profession where we use radios pretty regularly and and you just don't do that. At least we don't do that. So uh, yeah, that that annoyed me as well, but uh, I was able to forgive it. Another thing, great cliffhanger on this one. You know, there's a cliffhanger halfway through and uh, this was in... uh, a really good tradition of cliffhangers that both the doctor and Romana were were in jeopardy and you couldn't figure out immediately how they were going to get out of it over yes i i thought it was a great cliffhanger between the two um the other thing i, th- I thought was a bit of a, a letdown on this was that the villain of the piece was a bit faceless if that's not an odd concept for an audio and i felt that it left the story lacking a little bit of focus and and in many ways it felt more like a disaster movie than the traditional sort of threat which they're fighting against. Um, and the resolution at the end I thought was a bit thin and convenient, which I think was linked to the fact that there was a slight lack of cohesion in what it is they were actually being threatened by. But, you know, it was no, it was a well-put-together and competent story. didn't particularly stand out for me amongst the others. It was just, you know, a story of the week type episode. Well, you know, I'll grant you what you say about the, the villain and about the resolution, and uh, but it, it really didn't bother me so much. This was... Again, just a great adventure story, and I keep coming to that. Yeah, maybe it does have a little bit of that disaster movie feel. I I enjoyed it. I recommend this one. Over.
Well, thanks, Ian and Michelle. Um, that, that's, a, that's a story that I, I remember listening to as I was, I was, I was flying away to the Caribbean or the Caribbean. Uh, as you would say, Stephen. <laughs> <laughs> Don't worry, I'll, I'll get all these uh, these these sort of transatlantic uh, sort of jibes out of the way uh, in in the first episode, and then we can settle down and we can just have fun. Well, my first forum forum post as an official uh, moderator actually was American accents are cool. So <laughs> I, think, I am only jealous. I I, I, can't, I can't even do one. Um, I, I'll have a go if you like. <laughs> That's cool. oh, you know what? Yes, please, please, I want to hear it. Uh, uh, goddamn. <laughs> Perfect. <laughs> uh, we have we have a competition, uh, everyone. Uh, another one of fabulous Doctor Who podcast comp- competitions, where we have a, a signed copy of the Silver Screen CD of the Caves of Androzani music, signed by Roger Lim, no less, the actual composer. Uh, we have the usual questions, so pens and papers at the ready, because you'll you'll need to write this down so that you can uh, you can remember it and you can email in. Uh, the question, in order to win this fabulous prize is... How many eyes are in Androzani? Send your answers in to uh, feedback at the Doctor Who podcast.com. Uh, good luck, guys. It's a tough one. Well, Leeson, it was uh, it was fantastic actually finally getting to uh, to chat with you a bit and uh, and us make fun of our respective countries a little bit. Uh, yes, yeah, yeah. It's it's, it's always good. It's, it's always good to if you can't laugh at Americans, who can? I mean, if you can't <laughs> laugh at yourself, who can you laugh at? <laughs> well, our accents do make us sound dumb. Um, so. Uh, uh, but next week, uh, we have a, uh, a discussion about Airlock, uh, which is the, uh, one of the, uh, one of the miss- missing episodes, right? <laughs> yes, it was. <laughs> that's all, that's all I know about it. Uh, no, uh, that's all I'm going to tell you, uh, that's all I'm going to tell anyone about. Uh, so they should just listen in for us to discuss, uh, the discovery of an old classic, Airlock, um, as well as a review of Underwater Menace. I said Water. See, there's the American accent coming out. Uh, so on that note, uh, we bid you farewell for another episode of the Doctor Who Podcast. We'll see you again, or uh, some semblance of the Doctor Who Podcast team will see you again uh, for episode 223. Goodbye for now, everyone. Cheerio. You've been listening to the Doctor Who Podcast with Leeson and Stephen. Mark this day in your diaries. You'll be able to tell your grandkids where you were when you heard this episode. You can find more episodes of the show at thedoctorwhopodcast.com or find us on Facebook, Twitter or on the Doctor Who Podcast forums. Thank you for listening. Take care. So, so, what, uh, so what else, what other aspects of the show would you see as, as being sort of quintessentially English? Because sometimes it's not, it's not easy. You know, well, it's not easy being English. <laughs> it's, not, it's not easy to, uh, to see. Hang on, I'll wait for the siren to go. <laughs> I've got. Uh, we're having a proper British summer. I've got to have all the windows and doors open. Um, I'm in the conservatory as well, which is uh, which is not ideal. So, uh, what other aspects of the show um, would you deem uh, as being, or do you see as being quintessentially English? Because it's not always easy to see. <coughs> I was trying to. I was trying to repeat the same joke. Then you should never repeat it. You can't do it twice. It's not always easy to see uh, from an, being an English person um, what it is that makes us English. And on that note, uh, this is me, uh, Lisa Fisher, saying goodbye. Oh no, hang on, hang on. Sorry, that's the that's the wrong podcast. I don't do that on this one. <laughs> yeah, I slipped I, sli- I slipped into Rassel on there, didn't I? <laughs>